you are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Trenches. This is Ian Beckles, and we got plenty to talk about today. Uh, football season is here, believe it or not. The Our beloved Vipers are playing in Tampa Bay, and they had their first big victory last night. I watched it. I've literally watched parts of every Vipers game. So um, I guess you could say that I'm a fan. They look good yesterday, defensively, offensively, and um, that's their first victory. So hopefully they start piling them up. As far as the XFL goes, um, I guess the ratings aren't going down, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, whether the product is good, bad, or indifferent, we'll find out. And whether they're making money or not, we'll find out. I'm sure Vince McMahon's going to let us know. But they have enough backing where I think they're going to be able to survive through this year, um, unlike the AAF, and that didn't work, obviously. Uh, they had somebody throw millions of dollars in the middle of the season, and that still failed. So I think they have better backing with the XFL, with Vince McMahon, and I hope it succeeds. I really do. And I think ultimately, uh, in order for it to flourish going forward, the NFL is going to have to find a way to get involved with it and make it kind of their farm league. So I'm sure that's somehow in the makings. Now, I guess the big story football-wise um, last week or right going on now is the combine. And they changed it up and they made the combine in prime time. And like usual, they're going to try to figure out ways to make money through the combine. Uh, I watch substantially less combine than I normally do. Because that's something I usually sit around in the morning and watch at night, Friday night and Saturday night. Who the hell wants to be watching the Combine on Friday and Saturday night? Not I. I got other things to do. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't get the NFL Network anyway, so I really didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot. Uh, I did get a chance to see a bunch of the highlights. Um, First and foremost, they came out and they made a big deal out of Joe Burrow's hands being nine inches. Um, Is it a big deal? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. There's quarterbacks that have been successful with small hands. There's quarterbacks that have faltered with small hands. If it wasn't relevant, they wouldn't measure it, okay? It, it, when, in, when the ball is wet, when the ball is cold, do you want to have smaller hands or bigger hands? And I hope you said bigger. And there's something to having bigger hands in the NFL. So is it a big deal? It's not going to stop anybody from picking them first. And it looks like it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they just put a franchise tag on A.J. Green. From what they say through the grapevine is that Joe Burrow let them know that they need to keep, keep A.J. Green. It, it, if that happened or not, I don't know. That's what some of the rumors are. Um, you know, Tua is, I guess, the, the wild card in this whole thing. His health, where he goes. Um, I... I'm telling you, this is me as a GM. I'm not picking Tua. I'm not picking somebody that can't go through a college, no college seasons without getting injured. I can't, no way. And with that last injury, when I'm seeing them peeling him off the field, uh, that's not the last look I want to see. I'm not picking a top five quarterback and doing that. That's just me. Uh, I don't give a crap what you look like when you finally work out. You didn't work out the combine, nor did Burrow. That's not that big of a deal. But if you can't throw... In February and in March, uh, football season is not that far away. So are you going to be ready? And when you hear Tua speak, I don't like some of the things come out of his mouth like, uh, it would maybe be beneficial if I sat behind somebody for a year. Bullshit. Get out of here. You're, are you a competitor? 
then get your ass on the field. That's who I want. I want a guy that says, I don't care who's there. I'm going to beat him out. I'm the man. As a quarterback, that's essential. So we'll see how that whole thing turns out with Tua, with Burrow, there's some other names out there. But I personally um, would stay away from Tua. Bur- Burrow, to me, is a lock for that number one spot. I guess in the combine, a bunch of guys were shining. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was one of the main guys running back from Wisconsin. Uh I think they said he has 900 and something care, almost a thousand carries in college, which is unheard of. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. It's not usually good. I mean, it shows you what he can do. He's a tough son of a bitch. That's for sure. You know, Wisconsin has a history of having great running backs, tough running backs, durable running backs. He ran a four, four, one. Um, and I guess looked great. He was above average in all the drills. So he, uh, they, they say he, he looked the part. But this is the this is the the problem, I guess, with picking a running back high. Most running backs don't get to their second contract. They don't last. They really don't. These days, you know, Zeke Elliott just went to a second contract. Didn't look the same. Okay, Saquon Barkley is only two years in the league. He didn't look the same at the end of last year. Running backs just it ain't about running backs for me. I wouldn't pick a running back that high. I just wouldn't. I guess Jalen Hurts looked fantastic. Um, Jalen Hurts might mess around and get picked in the third round and be the best quarterback in the draft. That's a possibility. Jalen Hurts hadn't had, hasn't done nothing but succeed anywhere he's been. They said he looked fantastic throwing the ball, and that was, I guess, a knock on him. He didn't have a great long ball. He looked great doing it all. Uh, and is a fabulous athlete, and they say he's a fabulous leader. And a leader of men is important as well. Uh, you look at guys like Kyler Murray last year, that was maybe one of the knocks on him that he wasn't that, you know, he wasn't that alpha. Okay. And sometimes you need an alpha in that huddle when you have 10 other alphas looking you in the face. Uh, sometimes you have to have a certain, you know, you know, demeanor to you to be successful. So we'll see what happens with all those quarterbacks. Um, Jalen Hurts supposedly looked excellent. Now the big men out there, uh, there was a couple Freaks, okay. There's, you don't. When you're in a whole room full of for, former NFL players or, or NFL players to be, and you're called a freak, something's up. You know, we when you look at freaks from back in the day, Julius Peppers and guys like that. When you stand out among your peers, uh, that says something. So this kid, Tristan Wirfs, um, he's out of Iowa, a tackle at three twenty. Ran a four eight five at three twenty. Now I was one of the faster guys in my group, and I weighed two ninety five, and I ran a five zero something, low five zero. This kid at three twenty ran a four eight five, and his vertical jump, catch me now, thirty six and a half inches for somebody weighs three twenty. I'll be damned. I mean, that's that. He's just, he's not a lineman. He's just an athlete. He could play any damn position he wants. Running four, five at 320 and a 36 and a half vertical jump. I don't know if he played basketball, but how could he not be a good basketball player? How's that possible? His, his uh, 10 yard split was amazing. Um, take it from me, you know, I, you know, I wasn't the fastest guy ever. I, I was usually one of the faster linemen, but my 10 yards split was always very fast. There was one year was one of the faster on the teams. I could move 10 yards quickly. If you can move 10 yards quickly and you're a big man and you're an athlete, you can play any damn sports you want. Okay. It'd be hard to stop that. I went a 36 inch. I think I had a 28 and a half inch vertical 
36 and a half inch vertical, and he's 6'5". For God's sakes, pick that guy. Buccaneers, you know, middle of the pack. If they want, if one of these two tackles follow them, they, they got to pick him. They have to. The other one is the uh, Mekki Becton, the tackle from Louisville. 6'7", 364. That's, it could stop right there, okay? That kid Trent Brown that now is with uh, the Raiders and was with uh, the pa- uh, Pats for a bit. He reminds me of that kid. Now, that kid just got paid a ridiculous amount of money last year. Or it might have been a year before, but he has that big dominant, you know, physique like that guy. He ran a 5-1. <laughs> five, one. Tom Brady ran a 5-1, and he weighed 180 or 185 or something like that. He ran a 5-1 at 6'7", 364. Got to go get that guy. Well, even if he can't play, he's going to be good. 6'7", 364, you're just in the way. And God forbid you, you got a little mean streak to you. And they showed some of his highlights, and he was extended on some people. And, um, I mean, I would take my chance on 6'7", 365. If that falls to the Buccaneers, they better take that clown, period. And I know Tristan Wirfs ain't falling to the Buccaneers, not running no damn 485. No way. Any year that comes out, you got to pick it. I mean, you gotta be, he's got to be a top five pick. He has to be at 320. So the Combine's done. These guys are over with. They did their thing running around in their underwears. Everybody makes a big deal. And it really, to me, it should get back to the, the film. There's a couple guys who show out like Tristan Wurst and Beckton, and they up their stock and a couple guys hurt their stock, but most people stay about right. You know, usually you, you, you go to the combine and your numbers are usually very similar to your film. So I think most of the, you, you want to weigh mostly film, but you got to look a little bit with the combine. Now, to move on to the CBA thing that may end up costing us watching some football this year. And, uh, you know, at first I thought it was just going to get done. And then I kind of looked into some of the particulars of this CBA, and I'm not sure anymore. Um, for the average individual out there who's sitting on the street and listens to the CBA, and they're like, wow, these, these, these players should sign it. They're giving them this, and they're giving them that. <laughs> The owners ain't giving shit, okay? I'm telling you. Because there's guys like uh, the Pouncy Twins that are literally coming out and saying they want to create a fund, okay? Because, you know, a Pouncy Twins, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and a couple other big ballers are out there saying, guys, this, this, these guys are screwing us. 32 billionaires are screwing us. How? Listen, okay? Listen to what they did. The one thing about billionaires, they ain't stupid, Okay? They're not stupid. They're smart. This is what the billionaires did. They juiced it up for the lower the lower tiered players. They juiced it up, and that's a bunch. They juiced it up to where they're getting a lot of love. So if you're making a half million dollars a year, you might make another 100000 So you're going to get 20% raise. Hell yeah, I'm going to sign this thing. 20% raise, you make it half a million. If you're making $5 million, you don't see shit. You don't see jack. You want to know what the owners are getting? Let me let you know. Out of this whole CBA, what they're doing is they're upping uh, the players' uh, uh, part to from 47% to 48.5%. Sounds great, doesn't it? Great. And when you look at how it equates to monies to all the particular players, it's not a whole lot of money. Tens of thousands of dollars. What does it do for the, for the owners? Well, let, me, let me let you know. 32 owners are going to be divvying up $3.2 billion. $3.2 billion. And that comes out to $100 million per owner per year. $100 million per owner per year. 
that's jumped and piled up on top of the 250 million they were already making. So the owners are going to be making 350 million ish per year. 350 million. And you're going to give players on the bottom 100,000? That's not a lot of players now. Say it's 10 players on your team. So you just gave out a million dollars and you're going to make 100 million per year? So the players who are about 1,700 players, 1,700 players are going to get 48.5%. And 32 billionaires are going to get 51.5%. How American is that? Okay. Everybody wants to say these players shouldn't complain. Get the hell out of here. So if you were JJ Watt, he's another guy that spoke out against him. JJ Watt, I haven't looked. JJ Watt probably makes $10 million a year. Okay. He has lots of money. He has earning potential later on. So he's a tough one to think that he's going to cross any line. Okay. So somebody like J.J. Watt, he's saying, where am I getting out of this? So you guys are all getting $100 million more per year. What am I getting? You know what J.J. Watt gets? An extra game. He gets an extra game that's not even prorated. It's, for somebody who makes $10, 15000000 million a year, if you make, 16, make it $17 million a year, it's clean. You make $17 million a year, you make a million dollars a game. Okay? If they add a game... You should get an extra million. It's not the way it's working. So the owners want to add money, add games, add money to their pockets, and really not give anything to the players. And they don't give a shit. They don't. And I, I think, like I said, they're smart. They, 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 they stroke the lower tier. And the lower tier is going to be probably a third of the voting. And there's going to be people in the middle. And the people at the top are the ones that are complaining. And the pouncies are, or they know what's going on. They're saying, listen, guys, we're going to put together a fund where some of you lower tier players, we're going to try to take care of you. But don't cave because the owners, listen, the owners won't lose. 32 billionaires are undefeated. They're never going to lose. Okay. Because once it comes down to lockout, the players are going to start to cave. I said this before, if I'm not making money and I got a potential to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I cross that line and go play football, which I want to do my whole life, I'm going to go do it. But the owners are definitely in the driver's seat. They really are. And they're going to win ultimately. There's really nothing the players can do. All They can fight. DeMaurice Smith, I'm not even sure whose side he's on. I think he's on the side of his cushy-ass job that he doesn't want to lose. And Roger Goodell can kiss my entire black ass. He's never cared about anything any player has done ever in the NFL. If anybody ever wants to contact me, it's Beckles at RadioInfluence.com. Uh, Please make sure you're listening to some of the other podcasts as well. And Ron and Ian show every day, Monday through Friday, 95.3 FM and 6.20 AM, 3 to 7. You want to tune into that as well. We talk a lot of this stuff. We just have a lot of fun. But I appreciate you guys listening into the podcast every week. I have a lot of fun doing this. And um, hopefully the Bucks make some good choices down the way, free agency and in the draft. And uh, we get back in this driver's seat. And uh, there's always Jameis, right? There's always Jameis to talk about. He's not going anywhere. And uh, Tom Brady's at domino. Once he decides where he's going to go, everything's going to start falling. So there's going to be plenty to talk about every single week. So make sure you tune in every week. Have a wonderful week. And please stay out of trouble. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Yeah. 
This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. There is a movement to have a change. The new CBA got another year. The league would like to get it done now to prevent any work stoppages. That's understandable. But what's going on right now is a little bit of a discussion from ownership to Players Association about the best way to go forward with a new CBA. I do think that there's some concerns by veteran players having a 17th game. You hear me gripe about not enough time in pads and development. All those things are true. And this is part of the decisions that are being made that are not for the best interest of football. They're in the best interest of football business, money-making. So the things that actually help behind the scenes make your football team better are not adhered to. What's important is, say, we're going to put another game, as crappy as it may be, on the schedule, and we're going to make more money in Georgia for it. We're going to take one less, quote-unquote, meaningless preseason game, except it's not meaningless. It's essential in developing your team. And, oh, we're going to take away practices because you can't make money from practices. You know, it may may hurt your ability to, again, develop your team, but, you know, what does that matter? We're trying to make money. So the veteran players are not all that interested as into – an extra game because the extra money that's going to come with it is not going to be that big of a deal. But for most of the guys from say middle of the roster and definitely bottom of the roster guys, they're intrigued by this because that's more money in the pie. And so all of a sudden their average salary might increase by 150 grand a year. That's big money to somebody that is on the bottom end of the roster. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.